0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back in Better Than Ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests today, and they are going to be epic, on the Goodyear hotline. James Brown, as we were not able to get JB when we did Legendary Voices Week, but you couldn't do that without him. So he's going to be along in 15 minutes, go through all the NFL and March Madness action. Diana Rossini today, my old buddy Stink, Mark Schlereth today. The list is March Madness related We got a lot going on. Here we go. Here we go. Go, go.
0: Only one place to start.
1: I think that he should go to a place where he's backing up a quarterback with a similar skill set. I think the perfect place for him would be Buffalo. That was me the other day telling you where Mitchell Trubisky should go next. And that is exactly where he wound up yesterday. I could have sworn someone said it. And of course it was me. Mitchell Trubisky signing with the Bills. You're saying to me, Greeny, that's where you begin? Of all the things that have happened, of all the wheeling, of all the dealing, of all the moves, you're starting with Mitchell Trubisky? you darn right I am, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the Buffalo Bills have suddenly somehow managed to become the team that just gets everything right. This is the team that for the longest time got absolutely everything wrong, and now they're getting everything right. And the best example of that is Josh Allen. They drafted a quarterback who was almost identical to Mitchell Trubisky coming out of college. He had more experience, but the skill sets were basically the same. Big, strong, can run as a big arm, but needs to be developed as a passer. And look what the Bills have done with Josh Allen, and look what the Bears didn't do with Mitchell Trubisky. And that is why I said the other day, Trubisky needs to go to Buffalo where he will be in an offense that he's comfortable with, he can learn how to take that next step and have a chance at resurrecting his career. The Bills can do that. And he has a similar enough skill set to what Josh Allen has that if, God forbid, Allen goes down with a bad injury, you got a fighting chance. You run the same offense and you keep it going. That's the Buffalo Bills making a move that just makes all the sense in the world. I wanted to mention that because... You look at football. I've always said the best coaches, when you watch them in games, it's not that they make moves that you agree with or disagree with. Every coach will do things you agree with or you disagree with. The bad coaches are the ones that make a move and you look at it and you say, that makes no sense. There's no sense in that. There's no way to explain logically why that was the right thing to do. You can agree sometimes, disagree sometimes. But everything makes some level of sense the Bills of the team who are making sense right now as much as anybody. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Time now for some straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Carson Wentz, the man with the most pressure on him of any person in the National Football League, going into next season, spoke yesterday for the first time as the quarterback of the Colts about the way it ended for him as the quarterback of the Eagles. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It wasn't fun. You know, it's, it's not fun when, you know, Things were going so well for years and, you know, all those things. And, you know, as a man, you have to, you have to look yourself in the mirror and, and, you know, learn from it. Learn from it and, and become a better man, better player, all of those things. And I'm not going to lie. It, it wasn't fun. It was difficult. Um, but I did everything I could to still be supportive of Jalen and my teammates. Okay. So forget about him being supportive of Jalen and his teammates and let's not quibble over whether we agree with that or not. He was a healthy scratch at the end. Let's not quibble over that part. It was the first 19 seconds of those 23 that matter. This is an extremely valuable lesson. Everyone gather round. When things go wrong in your life, and the way things ended in Philadelphia was a colossal failure on the part of so many people that there is ample blame to go around. Here's the lesson. People who are not going to succeed greatly in life figure out how everyone else got it wrong. And the people who are successes in life, the people who do succeed, figure out how they got it wrong. And that is what Carson Wentz needs to do. He said it a little, but it doesn't really matter if he says it or not. He has to internalize it. Does he feel like he got screwed in Philly? Probably. Does he think a bunch of stuff happened that wasn't his fault and wasn't his responsibility and he doesn't take... Probably. Probably. And there's probably a lot of truth to that. Again, when things go as colossally wrong as they went for him in Philadelphia, there is more than enough blame to go around. But he will not get any better if he tries to figure out what Doug Peterson got wrong, what Jeff Lurie got wrong, what Howie Roseman got wrong, what anyone else got wrong, the fans, the media, anyone. You get better by saying, what did I get wrong? What could I have done differently? What could I have done better? And if he does that, then he has a chance to succeed at Indianapolis. And so I hope he does. Saying it is irrelevant. If he hadn't said it, it wouldn't matter. Having said it doesn't matter. Because that has to be internalized. You have to genuinely believe it. I've had that experience in my life, and I think all successful people have. Things go wrong. You can't ever get everything right until you have gotten it at least a little bit wrong first. So the question is, when things go wrong... Do you blame everybody else or do you figure out what part of it you got wrong? That's what Carson Wentz has to do. And if he does, I think he has a great chance to succeed. Things could not be set up better for him. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. And then, of course, there is the Russell Wilson of it all. The Russell Wilson of it all remains, in my view, by far the most interesting and important piece of the NFL offseason. Remember when Aaron Rodgers said his future was a beautiful mystery? What was that, about a, two, three months ago? At some, at some point, Rodgers said his future is a beautiful mystery. His boss, Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers, came out like a day later and said, quote, we're not idiots. He's not going anywhere. I've been quite critical of, of the leadership of Green Bay. But boy, that was a smart thing to do. That was the right thing to do contrast that juxtapose that with this silence coming out of seattle they are putting out a message as well with that silence and that message is russell is available if he wasn't we'd have heard it by now compare what they did with aaron Rodgers and green bay to what they're not doing with seattle and russell so what places make sense i'll tell you a place that makes some sense I'll tell you a team that should be moving heaven and earth to get Russell Wilson. I know the Bears wanted it. I know they went hard after it. I know their fans already had ordered jerseys. But the reality is everyone is saying what Seattle needs in return is a a plan at quarterback. They need either a player or a draft pick that turns into their next quarterback. And the Bears don't have either of those things to offer. And not only because I'm a fan, but the reality is the New York Jets do. The Jets have that solution twice. If Pete Carroll and his USC background and everything else, if they decide they love Sam Darnold, go at it. The Jets can trade them Sam Darnold and a bunch of other stuff. If they don't like Sam Darnold, the Jets have the second pick in the draft. That equals Zach Wilson or Justin Fields if you prefer him or anyone else you want. That's five years of a quarterback on a rookie contract. The Seahawks had a quarterback on a rookie contract recently. His name was Russell Wilson, and they went to two Super Bowls and won one of them and were a yard away from winning the other. They haven't been back since. So maybe that's what they want. If they do, that's what they should do. The Jets have more to offer the Seahawks than any other team. The question is, does Russell want it? I have to believe the Jets would want it. I have to believe the Jets would want would be willing to trade the second pick in the draft and or Sam Darnold. Let's let's say the second pick in the draft, plus a a bunch of other picks. They have Seattle's first rounder this year. They could just give that one back. It's 23 overall and whatever else they want. It's something that I think should not be discounted. I'm not telling you I think it's going to happen. I'm telling you I think it could. And if you listen to Shefty on my TV show every day this week, I – Again, I call myself the Shefty Whisperer. I get him to say things he doesn't want to say. He has made it clear. The possibility of Russell Wilson being traded before the draft is real. Look for teams that can answer their quarterback question. The two that jump immediately to mind are the Jets and the Dolphins. Neither of them were on Russell's list. Would he be willing to go to one of those two places? I have a feeling you're going to find out. James Brown is coming up next. We'll get his thoughts on all of this. The list is March Madness. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Your phone calls, as always, on the way as well. I'm Greeny, and we're just getting started on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, We are back in Better Than Ever, Greeny, with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Jam-packed we will be today. The list is on the way in just a few minutes. It is March Madness themed. But speaking of themes, a couple of weeks ago we did Legendary Voices and we talked to a lot of the best-known people who have been broadcasting sports throughout all these many years, and we were not able to get in touch with this man, but we are delighted to bring him in. He is as as, pre- as preeminent as any sports announcer in recent generations, uh, the face of CBS with the NFL and so much more. You know him as JB. James Brown is with me on the Goodyear Hotline. Good morning, James Brown.
0: It is a blessing to be on your show. You've got me. I, I always say, and my daughter Katrina is going to hate this, I am too dark to blush, but I am blushing to be on your program, uh, uh, uh. so thank you for having me, buddy. Absolutely. And my daughter, by the way, flat out loves you, follows you religiously, so I'm sorry she's not beside me to be my lifeline for whatever you might ask me.
1: Well, she has extraordinary taste, and I'm sure she has told that regularly, and I'm, I'm telling it to her now. I'm going to tell you something, JB, that you are not going to have known, and that is mm. that I became accustomed to hearing your voice before... So many other Americans became accustomed to hearing your voice. And the reason is my first real big job in our business was I was one of the producers on a talk show in Chicago hosted by Dan Jiggetts. And so it was my job regularly... When you and Dan were working together back and uh, it's got to be thirty i'm uh, almost thirty years ago now when the two of you were doing football games together, both of you from Harvard and were doing football games together. uh it was my job to call you up and book you for that show and and uh so that we go we go back beyond your knowledge all that time
0: rainy that is dusting off some cobwebs, and speaking of my time with Dan Jiggett's, Not only did he cover for me in the first NFL game I ever did as a broadcast, and certainly you would recall this, uh, I was working at CBS. Ted Shaker was the executive producer. I was a freelance extra announcer with uh, CBS during a time that they had just gotten the um, NCAA tournament and started doing a number of other games. So Ted Shaker indicated if you want to pursue this as a full-time career, you need to do a number of other sports. And I did it all, Mike, for sure. Um, including the first game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers were hosting the Atlanta Falcons. So many people have heard this story, but it's worth repeating. So my boss said, hey, just call a clean game. Don't get fancy. Look at the TV monitor and you'll see the accurate time. Don't look at the stadium clock. Mm -hmm. Greeny, I go through the first half and I'm thinking football's not that difficult. (laughs) Ah. Complacency set in. That is certainly (laughs) going to be the opportunity to slip. Come the second half, Greeny, I said, okay, Steve DeBerg's a quarterback. He takes the handoff. He takes the snap. Delayed handoff to James Wilder, the running back. He's at the 40. He's at the 50. He's got daylight. He's at the 50. He's at the 55. (laughs) Tackle finally at the 60 yard line. My producer got in my ear, Greeny. He said, JB, there's no such thing as a 60 yard line. Go to commercial. Now, Greeny, I'm shook up. I did not look at the TV monitor. I looked up at the stadium clock, boo-boo. I said, folks, we're gonna step aside with about eight minutes and 99 seconds left in the third (laughs) period of play, and we'll be right back. Dan Jiggets covered for me, Greeny, because what he did when we came back, he said, folks, for those of you who heard JB say eight minutes, and 99 seconds. He just wanted to see if you could make the conversion to know that it was 9 minutes and 39 seconds left in the third period of play. That was my guy, Dan Jiggins. Absolutely.
1: I love that story. I had not heard that before. Uh, Greeny and JB, for those who, I don't know that everyone knows it because you've been so ubiquitous and and, and, and our, on our televisions doing sports, all, all sorts of sports including now primarily the NFL for so long, that you were a great basketball player in your day, a superstar in the Ivy League and uh, almost made it into the NBA and all of that so that's where it all began for James Brown let's get to some football here and then I want to hear some old stories but but the big thing that's going on now is Russell Wilson who appears to want to be out and all of the insiders that I talk to say that it is a real possibility that Russell Wilson is going to get traded And, and while I sit and try and analyze all the different places maybe we need to take a step back and just say we live in a world where Russell Wilson might get traded, J.B., if that's possible. The NFL is a different place than it has been in the last, basically in its entire history, right? This is the this is a new NFL. This kind of thing would never have happened in the past.
0: And Greedy, being so much older than you, I certainly can remember back where players, once they were with a given team, they were there almost forever and a day. Uh, but obviously, Russell Wilson has that latitude in his contract, mutually agreed upon that he would have the say in terms of if he's going to be traded, where he's going to go. And obviously, that's for a select few. Russell Wilson is one of the awesome faces of the NFL. To me, and I know I've used this word before, it would be a tectonic shift if he goes anyplace else. I don't understand all of the dynamics behind it, but it doesn't take a mental giant to realize that there there are some rough waters there. But he is a class act. Talk about a man of character and integrity. I remember talking with Roger Goodell, the commissioner, about him. And his, his name brings a smile to everyone's face. But you know what? Those things happen in the world of employment, clearly in professional sports. Uh, I'm sitting around with bated breath to see exactly where he may wind up as well. And, Greeny, I don't know that we can think of anybody else who's any better. Clearly the name Drew Brees comes to mind, uh, Larry Fitzgerald who are as intimately involved with a community as Russell Wilson. So this would be a significant move. Yes,
1: in every way, uh, for in all the ways you just said, and yes, he's so I've I've never heard him speak a full sentence without saying the words "Go Hawks" in it. So he's he's always been so committed to the team. It, it is it is going to be a, a tectonic shift, not just there, but around a lot of other places in the sport. JB, with me on the Goodyear Hotline, Goodyear helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Let's 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 have a moment from you, if I can, on Tom Brady. Uh, you mentioned that you started broadcasting games. 30 years ago he's been playing almost all of that time and yet still manages at the age of 43 to be where he is and 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 when you sort of sit back and 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 take into account what he did this year how he managed to do that this year go down to tampa with no real off season win the super bowl in his first season how do you put it into perspective of all the things you've seen happen in football through your career
0: First of all, when you talk about the longevity uh, associated with my being blessed to call the NFL or do anything at the network level, it goes back to um, well. Actually, you're still in great tennis shape. That's what I understand <laughs> is your sport. So uh, I, I was in that kind of shape back in the day, Dan. Um, but Mike, that is. But you know what? Let me just say this. He, he is certainly the epitome of what it means, Greeny, to be um, totally involved, totally committed. Setting the tone, recognizing, as the old expression in sports goes, that the best player on the team should be your hardest worker, one who's not afraid to take the criticism, whether it was from Bill Belichick uh, or now, of course, Bruce Arians. He took it because he was a team leader. I remember talking with Ndamukong Sue on Inside the NFL this past season. And even a grizzled veteran like him said he got excited when Tom came to town because they recognized the pedigree that he was bringing there, but it was matched by his work ethic. So no one can begrudge the guy in terms of how passionate he is about the sport, the same kind of passion that he showed when he was, what, the sixth-round draft choice, was Mm -hmm. it, uh, Greeny? of Coming to New England and setting the tone. But he was also smart in terms of the team that he picked Look, we all have focused on the offensive prowess that they finally gained after they were 7-5, and but Greeny, look at that defense, how it also got charged up from his presence on the team as well. You didn't hear a peep out of anybody who was a so-called superstar. They were all looking to Tom Brady to get it done. And when they got over the hump, the rest was history. And look at what Todd Bowles did with that defense, which collectively could have been the MVP in the Super Bowl because they did not do the same thing they did the first time they faced Kansas City. And Patrick Mahomes was literally running for his life. But credit Brady for picking the right kind of team and showing us Age is only a number. The kid hmm. is simply phenomenal, Greeny. It is. It's, it's funny. I mean, the kid is, is 43
1: years old and still doing it at that level. And it, it is beyond anything we've ever seen. And they have basically bringing the entire band back together again so they feel like a pretty significant favorite going to next year. Greeny and the great James Brown is with me. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Uh, let me get a quick thought from you on, on the start of the NCAA tournament, which began with the first four last night, and, and now we go on into these games. And I still think of you with that. So when you look back over the many years, what is, what is your – if I were to ask you, because I love the old broadcasting stories – Like your greatest memory of all of that, of all these, um, the March Madness. I'm going to do a list here of my top five March Madness moments coming up in a little while. What's yours? What's your, if if someone says, what's your number one memory for March Madness? What jumps to mind?
0: Wow, that's a great question. Hey, Greeny, I would think, um, even though clearly I was blessed to do um, sideline reporting Mm -hmm. um, in the NCAA when I went to CBS full time. Also doing play-by-play, hosting NBA championships and the like. My biggest and fondest memory of the NCAAs, and my folks and friends over at Georgetown will not appreciate this, Mm. but it was before I became a full-time contract player with CBS, and it was when Villanova hosted Georgetown Mm -hmm. in the NCAA title game. And of course, Georgetown was loaded, and most people were thinking that they were going to run roughshod over Villanova. Raleigh Massimino, who John Thompson, God bless him, simply loved That was a stellar game. And you know, Greedy, we often talk about how the world of sports has such a tremendous impact in the game of life at large. And it goes to show, yes, you can talk about what a team might look like and what the competition looks like and who ought to win on paper. But the games aren't played on paper. And Villanova played the perfect game and shocking Georgetown to win that. Uh, Second might be when I was a sideline reporter covering the game when uh, Syracuse uh, lost to Indiana with six seconds still remaining on the clock. And I was a little surprised that they didn't run a play at that point in time, but that was a significant game. Uh, Pretty tough, of course, at that point, interviewing the losing coach. But those are some of the highs and lows associated with covering the NCAA tournament. Heavens, Duke beating the great UNLV team. Mm -hmm. I mean, grandma, Johnson and the squads, they were loaded, but that's why you play the game.
1: I still can't believe that they lost that game. UNLV went into the tournament that year unbeaten, and I've thought for sure they would beat everybody. The, the game you're talking about, Indiana-Syracuse, 87 is the Keith Smart shot that wins it for Indiana. And then, of course, the, the first one that you mentioned there is the legend everyone knows when Villanova pitches the perfect game against Ewing and Georgetown. One more thing for you, JB, and I so appreciate all of the time. But as I was going hey, through the – yeah.
0: Yeah, I gotta give you your. You are a walking lexicographer, thesaurus, uh, encyclopedia. <laughs> I mean, all of this is just written on the tablet of your heart. That's why I was asking my assistant and Josh, "Hey, what's Greeny going to talk about? Because he can talk about the breadth and scope of everything. Is he going to take me back to 1886? I just want to make <laughs> sure I'm ready. Go ahead, Greeny. 1886.
1: The Chicago White Stockings were uh, very dangerous. With. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Hey,
0: thanks, Paul. First love, we'll talk about it later. My grandfather had a, a baseball team, wasn't officially in the Negro Leagues, but all the Negro League players came down through Hattiesburg, Mississippi huh. to play against his appropriately named the Black Sox. And that's where I got to, re, you know, see some of the great players of all time, including when Henry Aaron came through there, Mudcat, Jim Mudcat, Grant. And I know you cover all these things, but that will be a conversation for another day. Whoa.
1: Well, let me, let me quickly ask, you, we just lost Hank Aaron, of course, just a, a few months ago, and one of the genuinely great, not only players, but people, and and um, one of the most important people in the history of American sports in so many ways. T- tell me that. You, you're saying that you, you saw him play when you were a little kid? I, 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 I miss that.
0: My grandfather regaled me with stories of when Hank Aaron would come through there, along with Jim Mudcat Grant, uh, Cool Papa Bell, uh, you name them. They all came through Hattiesburg to play. And it was not atypical for there to be doubleheader games played then, because certainly back in segregated America, that was one of the principal forms of entertainment for the fans then. Uh, he even told me about Satchel Paige <laughs> and the hesitation pitch back then, Greening, that folks just couldn't hit. And just to think hey, Greeny, what was uh, Satchel Paige? Was I guess he in his early 40s when he got to the major league and they even outlawed the pitch then, and it wasn't as effective as it was early in those days. So that's why baseball was my first love. My folks thought that I was become, uh, become a pitcher, and I played CYO baseball, Greeny, hmm. against um, some of my teammates. There's a blonde-haired kid named Steve Garrett who went on to play at North Carolina. He was a multi sport star. Greenie, I gave up baseball because of this. In a practice, I'm standing there in the batter's box, and I know Steve, who's got an array of pitches. He went to play at Chapel Hill, North Carolina Chapel Hill. He threw this pitch. Greenie. I see it coming. I said, "Up, that's the curveball. Of course, it didn't take this long. Well, that curveball is going to break in about a nanosecond. You know what? <laughs> that's a late-breaking curveball. What's going on here? I dropped into the dirt, and, of course, the ball at the last nanosecond went across the plate. Steve Reich. So I gave up baseball because I did not have the... A- but if you will, to stand in there at that time. That's when I picked up basketball as my love.
1: Probably wise, Greeny and the great JB. One last thing I wanted to ask you, um, because a little birdie whispered in my ear that you have a story I'm going to find fascinating that involves Len Bias, and I am dying to hear it.
0: You know what, um, Greeny? That was a tough story. Uh, this is when I was working with the local CBS affiliate, WUSA, and uh, of course, being a basketball star here in the area, blessed to be working on that station. And Larry Bird with the Celtics was so excited when they, the Celtics, drafted Lynn Bias. It was going to resurrect his career, his enthusiasm, more importantly, because Larry Bird was consistently a beast on the basketball floor. But the Celtics were thrilled. Red Arbacker who was a friend who lived here in Washington, D.C., he was all excited. When I got the early morning news and the call that Lynn Bias had passed from an overdose, First person I called was Red Auerbach. He always called me Brownie, and I said, hey, I, I still called him Coach. I said, Coach, I'm just calling to express my condolences. I'm so sorry to hear um, uh, about Lynn Bias, as I'm sure you are. And Lynn Bias was a friend. And and Red says, waking up with a groggy voice, Brownie, what are you talking about? I said, oh, Coach, you mean to tell me you don't know? He says, Brownie, what is it? And I told him what the situation was, and mm. of course, that was a very tough phone call and uh, it shook up the world for sure. But um, that was one of the, it's actually a low light, but certainly a significant uh, milestone. And I got a chance to talk with uh, Len's mom, lanice Bias uh, and others. And of course, his brother also passed not too long after that. But Mrs. lanice Bias and the family, very, very strong folks. And uh, and I thank them for giving me access during that time to tell the uh, the tough story. Well, mm-hmm. So
1: you broke the news to our back that that Len Bias had died. You know, let me just finish it by saying, I, we probably are talking to a large number of people who are not old enough to have seen Len bias. People mm. I, Jay Billis tells me all the time, cause he played against him. Len bias would have been one of the three or four best players in the NBA for 10 years. If, if he had not died before he ever got a chance to set foot on the court. Most people I think know the story of that tragic death. How, tell people who don't know just how good a player he was going to be.
0: And again, you're right, uh, Greeny, and you'll have to put some context for those who won't remember back then. But uh, David Thompson, as you well recall, was mm-hmm. just a phenomenal athlete uh, in the uh, the ACC uh, conference. And he and Lynn Bias used to have some flat-out wars. The nickname, and while it may not be very delicate, and you know how athletes, Greeny, give each other's names, um, they called him Horse, H-O-R-S-E, because he was as strong as a horse, mm-hmm. could leap He loved the crunch times. You could give him that ball in crunch time, and he would deliver usually with a thundering slam dunk. But he was flat out a phenomenal basketball player, and we couldn't wait, much less Larry Bird and the Celtics, for him to get to the NBA to see what he was going to do. But flat out one of the all-time greats ever in college, and I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to see what he would have been in the nba Greeny.
1: how tragic mm-hmm. i mean died of an overdose right after the draft and never got the chance to play in the nba at all james brown what a what a pleasure this is thank you so much for taking all this time for me uh, the best wishes to your daughter with the excellent taste and uh, the <laughs> be well uh, best to your family and i hope we we'll get a chance to do this again soon thank you so much
0: hey Greeny, to your wife stacy and your two kids as well too have a great day buddy thanks so much for having me
1: that's a pleasure james brown with me here on espn radio what a delight that was for me, again, I started out in the business as a behind-the-scenes guy at, at a sports radio station in Chicago, The Score. And Dan Jiggins was one of the hosts on the station, very high-profile host. And he also worked – he was a football player at Harvard, played in the NFL for many years, and then was, had by this time was retired and was doing games with James Brown. And they were not super famous. They were not a high – they weren't like doing the games that Jim Nance and Tony Romo are now doing. They were doing you know much lower-profile games. But they were good friends, and so I would, it would be my job to call up James Brown and book him for the talk show and all that sort of stuff, and now here he is all these years later. What a, what a plus. Uh, Bubba, are you trying to tell me something? I feel like you may be trying to say something in my ear. I'm not 100% sure. Okay, never mind then. So uh, the, the answer is no, he is not. So the next order of business is your phone calls. My number is 888-SAY-ESPN. As we continue to work our way through all of the NFL action that is going on here this week, the sport is being reshaped. The question is how are you feeling? Your team has been impacted by it one way or the other. Maybe things are going great. Maybe things are going terrible. But either way, no one is staying the same. So how are we feeling? 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. Your calls on your team right after this word from Straight Talk Wireless. Here's the straight talk. Your tax return could look different this year, but you're still going to hear a lot of noise about how to spend it. So when the big carriers tell you to splurge on the latest nonsense, just tune that out. With Straight Talk, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199. Plus, get the $45 unlimited talk, text, and data plan with no contract on America's best networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense. Tune into Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract. No compromise. Back with your calls next on ESPN Radio. I'm Greeny. this is ESPN Radio, and my poll question today is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeney. ZipRecruiter is all about finding the right person to hire for your job. And so the question is about hiring. The, I posted it on Twitter. Which team has made the most impactful hires of this NFL offseason, and I gave you three choices, Patriots, Cardinals, and the Washington football team. And no surprise, the Patriots getting 45% of the vote on my Twitter page right now. They've certainly been the busiest and most active. But I think the moves that they've made in Washington, and I have made this point repeatedly on TV this week, I think they've been really good. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to surprise people with how well he's going to play there. He has just been better the last few years than the Fitz tragic or the the interception machine that he had been. He has not been that guy the last couple of years. He just hasn't. So I think that he's going to be good. Curtis Samuel, the combination of Samuel and McLaurin, they both run about a 4-3-40. They're going to be great. They have a good one-two punch in the backfield. Antonio Gibson is good. Washington is going to be the goods. They bring in a corner who's going to be great now with that pass rush, William Jackson. Watch Washington. In that NFC East, I think they're going to win 10 games this year. So that's my poll question. You can cast your vote at ESPN Greeny on Twitter. It is brought to you, as always, by Zip Recruiter. Meanwhile, the next few minutes belong to you. My number is 888-SAY-ESPN, and I'd like to know how you're feeling about your team during this NFL free agent period. Here we go with Bubba. Bubba, who's first up? First up, we have Cameron. All right, Cameron, how are we feeling right now? Actually, I'm a I'm a Giants fan, and uh, feeling pretty good. We played a little high for Leonard Williams. I don't really know why, especially since I'm sure we could have gotten with at least a couple million less a year. But uh, thinking, yeah, if we get uh, a little bit more O line help, a little bit of D line help. I mean, we're looking at Kenny Galladay right now, so I mean can't complain if they get Galladay then I think you'll be extremely excited and in the entire off season will look totally different if you get a guy who I think going into this period was the number one free agent wide receiver once um they they, they franchise tagged Godwin in Tampa then Galladay became the guy to get and and so if you get him I think you're going to feel totally differently about it and as far as Leonard Williams is concerned listen did you see the television deals that they signed yesterday the salary cap is going to explode I know it's going down for one year, this little dip, but then it's going way up. So what you consider to be a big contract is going to completely change. Your opinion of that is going to completely change in another year or two. It's not a bad deal, and he's a terrific player. So I think right now if you're a Giant fan, you should feel pretty good. Greening on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Spencer's up. Spencer, how are we feeling?
0: I am curious about what are we doing in Denver we got all these quarterbacks in free agency, uh, solid defense. And what is that what doing?
1: Well, I, I do believe that there are going to be a lot of trades made in the first round of the draft. The first round is six weeks from last night. I believe a bunch of teams are going to trade up. I think you will see four quarterbacks go off the board in the first something like six picks. And the Broncos are a team that I think will be in that mix. I think the Broncos will be in the mix for one of those quarterbacks. And you could throw a dart and try and figure out which one they like. I can't tell you which one they like. But between Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, if they want to go all the way up that high, Trey Lance, maybe they like Max Jones and they can sit where they are and take him. But having not gone in on any of these free agents or not gotten any of them, I think that feels like the likeliest possibility now as Denver makes an aggressive move for a quarterback in round one of the draft. They certainly have the receiving core to do it. We also know that there was a time when Deshaun Watson seemed interested in Denver. Now, that situation, which is just awful, what's going on right now in Houston, that the NFL is investigating that. And until that happens, until that is concluded, the idea that there's going to be a trade there, I think, seems almost impossible. It's so low on the list of things about that story that are important. I don't even like to talk about it. But that does not feel as though it's even on the table of things that could happen right now. So I think if Denver's going to get a quarterback, it's going to be in the draft. Uh, you're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. Baba, who's next? Next up, we
0: have Sam. All right, Stan, how we feeling, Stan? Sam, Sam, Oh, Sam, Sam. sorry. Sam, how we feeling? I'm feeling terrible. I'm a Saints fan. So who that to? Who that nation? Greeny. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things are going on. We've lost a lot of players, mostly in depth. But I wanted to pose a question to you. Yeah. With Russell Wilson, he's the closest thing to Drew Brees. As far as a trade, Lattimore, Ramcheck, a pick, Jameis Winston to Seattle. Does that get does that get Russell to New Orleans? I doubt
1: it. No, I don't think so. I, I like the way you're thinking. But, the, but it, it, in order to make that work, what everyone has told me, Shefty and everyone else I ask, says they want a quarterback answer. Now, Would they consider Jameis Winston on a one-year contract to be that? I don't know. I I, I would be very surprised if that's what they chose. Because, again, this is not just about what Russell wants. It's about what the team wants or what they need to get in return. And I would be surprised if that's what they want. That said, Sam, I remain a Jameis Winston believer. And I think he could be real good in that offense this year. I think it is possible you will be very pleasantly surprised by how well Jameis plays. Now, he, he has proven me wrong a million times before. And maybe week one, you're seeing a pick six, you know, in the first quarter. And, and I'm dead wrong. That's certainly happened before. But I would not give up on the possibility he'll be good. Bubba, let me sneak in one more before the end of the hour. Go. We got J-Ron. All right, J-Ron, how we feeling? Hey, how you doing? It's Jayvon. How you doing, Greeny? Good, thank you, my friend. How you feeling about your team?
0: All right, so I'm calling about the Bears today, and I've been analyzing this for a little while. Uh, I've just been thinking about that Sean Watson miss, and uh, as far as Patrick Mahomes miss. How long do you think it's gonna be real in the Bears for this uh, for their team?
1: Yes, it ruined. I mean, when you make mistakes that significant, it's terrible. Now they're not the only team that passed on those guys, obviously. But they're the team that traded up in that draft to take another quarterback. But you have to forget that. Like, that's a sunken cost. It's over. It's like money you'll never get back again. Forget you ever had it. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how much you spent on something. Once you own it, it's yours. So the question is, what do you do with it? I think the way they have screwed up the Trubisky thing since that they they made that pick is almost, well, it's not as bad as passing on those guys, but it's also terrible. Both those things can be true. So if you're in Chicago right now, you feel terrible, and frankly, I don't blame you. Uh, we will have Diana Russini joining me coming up. And the, the list today, March Madness, it is an awesome list. It's as good as I think we've done at all. I hope you're with me. Big hour on the way. Greeny on ESPN Radio.